Anyways, I want to do a quick little segue into something I saw uh, Kendrick Perkins say. <laughs> he did this thing where they were talking about Jokic potentially setting the record for PER. PER is not a great advanced metric. Here's the thing. If someone has a really high PER, they're probably really good. Um, if it's really low, they're probably really bad. So Kendrick Perkins is like, analytics, like they're stupid. They don't pass the eye test. Like, let me tell you, but he's like, and then he said this, and this is what I thought was hilarious. He goes, analytics are the reason Carmelo Anthony was out of the league. And this is the thing, Kendrick Perkins, with all due respect, the reason Carmelo Anthony was out of the league was two reasons, the eye test and Carmelo Anthony coming to terms with what his role would be in the NBA at that stage in his career. He still wanted to be a number one option on offense. The eye test told you he could not do that. Okay. That was that. It's pretty simple. He then, when he decided to have a smaller role, he is now back in the league. It's analytics said, Hey, this guy can be a role player at this stage in his career. The eye test did too. Carmelo just didn't agree. Also, this is the other thing I hate with the, the eye test. For some reason, the eye test, people don't ever use it on defense because the eye test can kind of tell you that Carmelo couldn't play any defense at that stage. And I don't know, it's like half the game is defense, but it's weird. Why is the eye test? They just, they miss defense. I don't, I don't want, I close my eyes when they're on defense. Um. Yeah. <clears throat> let, let me say one thing in regards to metrics versus the eye test. I mean, I, I definitely think that like a, what's the word to look for? Like a hybrid uh, analysis is, is best, right? Like you need to watch the games and you need to know the numbers. But with the, these eye test people, what kind of annoys me about it is the arrogance. It's like, like uh, uh, my judgment is infallible. If, if I just watch the games, I know for sure what happened in the games. Like how many times have you watched the game and you thought somebody was playing really well and then you go look at just the basic box score and you're like, oh, he's missed about five more shots than I thought, you know, like, like, if you can honestly tell me that, that every time you watch a game, you know exactly what happened, then I guess you don't need metrics. But to my mind, it, 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 it's helpful to have both. I've said it a million times, but it's like, it's like science and philosophy coexist, right? Like, it's a, a lot of modern philosophy expresses itself mathematically, right? Yeah. Which I think segues nicely into what you want to say about 538 Raptor, actually. Yes. So I really like 538's Raptor War. I think it's probably, I don't know if it's the best one, but it's a really, really good, um, basically advanced metric. And the reason why I like it is because people do this, oh, well, fuck analytics, eye test. And it's like, well, here's the thing. These really good new metrics take the eye test. They take tracking data. They take things that like the eye test says is good and incorporates it into its accounting, right? So I'm just going to read off how Raptor on offense is generated, like the number that it ends up spitting out to say how good you are as an offensive player. And these are some of the key things that I think tie in to the eye test. It adjusts for your role on offense. Like it values a guy having a high usage rate as meaning they're good, right? Like if you touch the ball once a game and you hit that shot every single game, it doesn't think you're a good NBA player. You have a great, you have a great shooting percentage. It's hundred percent, but you touch the ball once. You're not really doing much outside of that. Right. You know, at the end of the day, you don't win a game because you scored three points. You win a game because you scored 103 points. The other thing is it takes into co context, like 
shot difficulty and like how it generates more value, right? It views contest hitting a contested three and taking contested threes, which hoopers eye test says are more difficult and probably, you know, more valuable if you're hitting them. It values them over open threes. Why? Because think about it. If it's a contested three, that's a defender out there on the perimeter, which means that defender is not out there in the paint, which means it's creating space, right? It's a good proxy to say how much space you're generating for your team. It's not perfect, but it's trying to incorporate statistics and the fucking eye test, right? It values unassisted field goals over assisted field goals. Once again, eye test, hoopers, right? People are like, oh, like you can give Jamal Crawford the ball still and he can, he can get a bucket without anyone passing the ball. Right? The Raptor would say, yes, that's a, good, that's a good trait. This metric is valuing those things that hoopers think advanced analytics do not value. It also values assists based upon the shot they create. One of the things that you know bugs me about when people talk about DeAndre Ayton deserving a max is I watch DeAndre Ayton play and he's getting a bunch of easy dunks because Chris Paul is creating incredibly good looks for him, right? Uh, a Rockets example, because we talk about him a lot and I, have, I watch the games a fair amount, Kenyon Martin Jr. People are like, his efficiency is great. You know, he score, you know he's, he's really good. Here's the thing. Every time Kenny Martin Jr. scores, it's almost always been set up by someone else creating a really good high-level chance for him to get a dunk or a layup, right? Like, he's not creating those on his own. So the metric isn't going to value his scoring as much as it's going to value someone that's like, I don't know, like Kevin Durant hitting tough contested shots. Yeah, I, I would just say that I think a lot of people think that they don't like analytics, and what they actually don't like is fans and observers who lean too heavily on them right because like as you're pointing to raptor war is is clearly a metric that reinforces the hooper mentality like like there are yes. numbers that back up yeah so it's like maybe you just don't understand it and, and and i don't even claim to have you know a wholly sophisticated understanding of metrics but what i do know is that measuring what happens on the floor is advantageous towards understanding what happens on the floor. You know, like it, it, it's not complicated. I think that people think they have a problem with analytics themselves. They actually have a problem with dorks who bone up on this stuff, you know, constantly, but don't actually watch basketball, which hell, I, I don't even have a problem with that. If you just prefer to read numbers, like I can't imagine that because I love watching basketball, but to each their own, but it, it, it doesn't, that doesn't actually reflect on the value of the numbers, you know? I would say this is that like, when you look at like how Raptor is developed, you know what it looks like? It looks like someone that was a really high level basketball player went to some data scientists and said, Hey, let's make a really good metric. Right? Like, and that's the thing that bugs me is that if your issue with analytics is basically, well, I don't really know how they're made and therefore they're stupid or this is actually what i think the main issue is people have opinions about certain players and the analytics say something else and then they think the analytics are stupid because they think their opinion is correct and i think that's legitimately most of the animosity towards it because whenever i hear because i see rockets fans bemoan these analytics that say jalen green is garbage but then they put the same analytic up on a pedestal when it says alperin shangun is great you know, it's like, look, like people like love analytics when it proves their point right, and they hate them when it proves it wrong. And here's the thing is 
the analytics is probably a bit better than your, your, your opinion. And at the end of the day, if it doesn't mesh with it, you should ask yourself, why is it not meshing? Am I missing something or is this missing something? But saying it's stupid and wrong is not really a mature way to deal with things. Yeah. I also think that people maybe like, okay, people don't like being told what to think. And maybe that's how they perceive what these analytics are, are trying to do. Right. But I don't see it that way. Like I go look at Raptor war. Right. And if I think that, um, if I think that there are inaccuracies, I allow myself to that opinion. Like, it, you know, if I think that a guy's rated 56 when he's actually much better than the guys that are rated 55, four, three, two, one, then I tell myself, well, it's possible that there's an aberration in the stats or that it'll normalize as the season goes on. Or like, like, it's not a Bible, you know, it, it's, it's yeah. not, yeah. You can't take it like, well, this metric is saying that fucking, you know, uh, Isaiah Thomas sucks. And I don't think that, although I don't think he's an effective NBA player. I'm, I'm struggling. To Which call Isaiah Thomas? Which one? Either. I, I, more broadly, I guess my, my point is Anyone just, named Isaiah Thomas. Anyone named Isaiah basketball. Thomas. Okay. Yeah, my, my, my point is more so that, like, if you see something that you think is wrong, you're entitled to take it with a grain of salt, but don't throw the whole metric out just because there's a flaw in, in your mind, you know? Yeah. yeah. Look, these things are meant to help us understand the world of basketball better don't throw the don't throw the analytic out with the bad take um That's okay right. let's ask ourselves some questions or a question each okay so my question for you james what are your predictions for nba trade season and when i say what are your predictions i don't mean who do you think is going to get traded and to where that stuff will sort itself out i also think those speculative things are you know, a lot of times just clickbait and stupid but I want to know is like, what do you think the market is going to look like? Because I see a situation where there's a lot of teams that look like they want to add players because they look like they have a shot at the playoffs. And there are a very small number of teams that look like clear sellers and they don't have many good players or any good players. So I'm kind of trying to get like, what's your sense of the NBA trade market? What's it going to be like? Is there going to be great for sellers, great for buyers, bad for both. Yeah. I, so, I mean, it seems like, I, I, I guess it's a seller's market, right? With it's, it's a, yeah. With a surplus of buyers. And I, I don't think there's necessarily going to be like a whole ton of moves, but I think that the moves that do happen are going to be significant would, would be my prediction. I, I think they're going to be a few moves that really do change the landscape of the league. Right. I would say one thing to keep a particular eye on is the center market. Like as it stands, Christian Wood and Miles Turner might potentially both be on the market. And I would say that the Charlotte Hornets, Portland Trailblazers, Boston Celtics, maybe your Wizards, but maybe not, uh, could all be in the market to upgrade at the five. So that seeing how that shakes out, like that's going to be a situation where once one domino falls, we'll, we'll see how the other domino might fall, right? And then I, I think that obviously uh, the Ben Simmons situation is something to keep an eye on and the Portland Trailblazers in general are a team to keep, the, keep an eye on. I find Portland interesting because like they could move either one of their guards really or neither. I, I, if I had to make a prediction right now, I think CJ McCollum's on the move, but it, it's hard to say for sure. In summary, uh, seller's market, 
don't expect like a whole big ton of moves, maybe less moves than last year, but I think there will be two or three moves that you go, okay, yeah, that really kind of changes the way the league is shaped. What do you think? So I think this, this trade market goes one of two ways. I think it either goes really quiet because all a bunch of teams are just going to say, well, you know what, like maybe we're not going to make the playoffs, but we'd rather try and fail, maybe make some marginal upgrades, then start moving pieces off. So I think there's either that or it's crazy and just all hell breaks loose. But it's not going to come from the bottom. I think the issue that we have now is that the teams that are right now obvious sellers, Orlando, Detroit, I'd say Houston, Pelicans, Oklahoma City, and the San Antonio Spurs. Those are the teams that I think we can all agree that like probably are going to be like, we can move pieces. I just don't think any of them have any pieces they want to move that anyone really wants. Like, you know, you have Grant in Detroit. I don't know how many teams really want him. Like he's an upgrade, but how good is he really? And do you really want to give a first round pick and, you know, salary back for that player? Christian Wood, I think he's solid. He's a better salary than Grant. But like, once again, you know, how much do teams really want? How much do they want to give up for him? So I think basically this trade market is going to come down to what are the teams that are like, you know, the 12 through eight seeds in each conference decide to do. Because if the Pacers decide to sell a center, right? If, for instance, Portland decides, as they should, to move on from Damian Lillard and blow the whole thing up, if the Philadelphia 76ers, if they figure out a way to move Ben Simmons, like those are the teams that are going to, and if they start making moves, I think that's going to spur a lot more action because once those dominoes start falling, then teams go, shit, I need to upgrade. Like, and I think the team that might hold, that might be like kind of like the, the house of cards, the card that if it gets removed, it all falls down, might be the Wizards with Bradley Beal. If they decide to move Bradley Beal, I think we could have ourselves an epic trade deadline. But, you know, until that happens, I just don't know. Yeah, that's an interesting point, right? Because the Wizards are, are starting to sputter a little bit and it's like, well, maybe they should, right? Uh, they, they could probably receive... Although what's going to be out there on the market for Beal is kind of... Because I, I don't think the Warriors are going to move their guys for Beal. Ben Simmons. Yeah. Yeah. That would be really interesting. And, and it's definitely possible. Um, yeah. Or maybe shit, maybe the Warriors. Like one of the things people are just like penciling in Clay Thompson is going to come back and be able to help this team this season. And they're like, well, he's a great shooter. I'm like, you look, here's the thing. What made Clay Thompson special is his defense, right? Like if his defense isn't good, he's just Joe Harris. Yeah. No, a hundred percent. Yeah. Right. I, like, I, I, I agree. It just seems to me that the Warriors are already the best team in the league. Look, if I was the general manager of the Warriors, I would have had Wiseman, Kuminga, and Moody moved. Uh, but I come from the Daryl Morey school of thought, maybe, where it's like, you got to get stars, right? If you're in a position to win, you get stars. But what can I say? The Warriors are extremely well-ran, and they, they seem to be constantly putting it out there that, like, we're already the best team in the league. We don't want to move these young guys unless we're getting something major in return, which I think is probably Carl Anthony Towns. Like I, I, I have a feeling they're holding out. If Cat ends up on the market, they pounce. Otherwise, 
uh, they straddle the timelines. You know, I, that, 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 I, I don't know if Beal would, would necessarily motivate them. Simmons, that makes a lot of sense. Yeah, yeah. And so that's just, that's kind of my sense is that like this kid is either going to be dead or wild. Yeah. And chances are I'll be wrong on both accounts and it's going to be, be, like, right? <laughs> be in the middle. Well, one thing I would add is I, I do strongly think the Hornets should go out and get a five. If, if Turner and Wood are both on the market, those guys are both like, you know, uh, 26 and 25, I believe. And they are a potentially lethal team and they don't really have a center. Like Mason Plumlee is a nice solid role player, but he's not a starting center and he doesn't maximize LaMelo ball. Right. Personally, I think they should look at Wood. I, I don't think I'm being biased when I say that. I think he's a more dynamic offensive player than Turner. His ability to roll and pop, I think would really do a lot for LaMelo in half-court sets. They'd be a very unpredictable offense all of a sudden. But if they like the defense of Miles Turner, that makes sense too. But I really think they should go out and get one of those guys. I, I think it makes too much sense. You know, they've got, they can give up PJ Washington, Kai Jones, and a pick. Who knows if Kai Jones is ever even a thing. PJ Washington, he's probably not a star-level player. I would say if I was the Hornets, I would definitely go get one of those guys. Otherwise, I don't think there's a lot of stuff that's really unpredictable on, on the market yeah. right now. The yeah. Hornets, they should be going after Turner over Wood simply because if you're going to give up assets to get a guy, get the guy who like can make your horrible defense. Maybe like they have no shot to win a playoff series with the defense they currently have. And I don't think Wood changes that. Yeah, no, that's true. But well, but the, the offense would be explosive with Wood, though, man. And I, 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 Turner, I wonder if he's a little bit limited, like as a role man. May you, you may well be right. In fact, like conventional wisdom says that you're probably right. Like get, get the two way player, right? But I, 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 the idea of that offense with Wood is very tantalizing to me. I'd say that. Yeah, no, I, I agree. All right, what's your question? Where are you gonna pull? Where, where is this pull up going? All right, here's a, I, I, I think it's a midi. You know, I call this a mid range pull up. All right. But but it's I, I I like it though. The Los Angeles Lakers have been the subject of much criticism this year. But the, the word on them all through the season has basically been that they're ass, right? That it's not working with Russ. Sneakily, they're seven and three in the last 10 games. That's encouraging, but we're still talking about a team that is 24th in offensive rating, which I was surprised to learn today. Uh, as I was writing my first article for Last Word on Hoops, by the way. So I'll pro that's probably a plug forthcoming. But Ooh. 24th in offensive rating, 7th in defensive rating. Still 7-3, and 10, seven and three, excuse me, in their last 10 games. That's pretty nice. They don't have a whole lot in terms of trade chips, but they do have Talon Horton Tucker, who is a 21-year-old with, like, good potential. My question is, are the Lakers a THT trade away from being a real title contender? Well, that's a good question. And I think that question raises another serious question. What the fuck are you going to get back for TH, THT, Taylor Horton Tucker? Because this is what I'll say. People are like, oh, he's young. Yeah, but he's on a bad contract for his current level of production. Like, I think like that's the, they're like, oh, but he's got potential. It's like, yeah, but like, I don't want to pay a guy 20 million a season for him to reach his potential and then me have to pay him 20 million again, right? Like you're not really getting a good deal. Like the reason teams like young players is that they're cheap. He is not cheap and he's not super good. Um, and I think like, now here's the thing. Another team might think he is 
worth that contract. And that is, that's totally fine. Are they, if that's the case, are they a TA? I don't think so because I think their, their issue isn't the big three. Like, I don't think Westbrook's a great fit. Their issue is the guys after those guys aren't very good. And they, what trading THT, what do you get? Like you get another guy who fits in. So you have now four good players, but you still have the same issue where spots five through nine are kind of bad. Now, hold on. THT is making 10 million a year, not 20 million a year. Oh, he's making 10 million a year. 10 million okay. a year, yeah. Which is still not, I, I would agree. It's not a great contract relative to his current production, but it's not 20. Yeah. Okay. I think I remember last season, people were like, you can make 20 million a year. And so maybe I just like burnt that into my brain being like, that's insane. I, um, I, I ran him through the trade machine a, a fair bit today working on an article. So I, I like, you know, I have a recent knowledge of this, but yeah. 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 I, I, that's the thing is like, he's one of these guys where it's like, I feel like he's valued around the league because journalists like to talk about the Lakers and he's their like one piece and one thing that they could move now. But yeah, but like, then, then again, like if he's only making 10 million, like you're not getting back anyone good. Like no one good in this league makes 10 million a season. Okay. No, but you can attach him with, with some of your other contracts. Uh, like for example, I'll tell you two things that work right away. All right. Um, THT and Kendrick Nunn is enough for Miles Turner contractually. That that works, right? So let me say this: the Lakers don't need to think about like draft capital or anything like that because they're the Lakers, right? So let, let, let me really dig into this. All the Lakers need to do is just exist, and eventually, a star player says, "I want my brand to be the Lakers," right? So. If you look at their history prior to LeBron, right, say between Kobe and LeBron, uh, they whiffed on the 2017 draft. They took Lonzo Ball second overall. I really like Lonzo Ball. He's a player that I'm a fan of. But, I mean, they could have had Tatum. They could have had Donovan Mitchell. They could have had Bam Adebayo. You know, even De'Aaron Fox is arguably a more productive player. I I like Lonzo better. I like Lonzo better. But, like, okay, but still, there's some guys there. Like, you obviously would any day of the week you take Tatum, Mitchell, or Bam Adebayo over Lonzo Ball, right? Yeah. Um, they did all right in, in the 2016 draft with Brandon Ingram. You know, that, that that's not a bad choice, but DeMontis Sabronis uh, would have been a better choice. Jamal Murray would have been a better choice. Jalen Brown would have been a better choice. Like, they still – they didn't nail it on Brandon Ingram, right? No, the, Brandon Ingram was a bad pick. I'm sorry. I, I'm, this is just going to digress real quick. Brandon Ingram is not that good of an NBA player. He has been a player that has some skill that gets to take a bunch of shots on a bad team. He's a Christian Wood type player. He has been the best player on some bad teams. And then when he became the second best player on an okay team, like when he became the second best player, did the, did the Pelicans like suddenly become like a playoff team? No. So I, how I, good I, is he really? I, I agree. I, I, I actually, I, I agree. So, okay. So they whiff two consecutive lottery picks, two? right? And here's the thing. It doesn't make a lick of a difference because they're the Lakers. So my point is this, they, they, they mismanaged the team from the moment that they overpaid rest in peace, Kobe up until the moment that they, up until the moment that LeBron James just said, I don't care what you've done for the past like 10, 15 years. I just think that I would look good in a Lakers uniform. So I'm coming along, right? So all of which is to say they can attach an unprotected 2025 
shit, throw the 2026 pick on as well. Uh, first round picks to Taylor Horton Tucker. And then I think they have a package that's appealing enough to net Miles Turner or Jeremy Grant personally. Yeah, yeah. I, I would say how much does Jeremy Grant or Miles Turner move the needle for them? He, he, he makes them better. Like, I, I'm not going to argue with that. And I don't think they're anything away from real contention because I think what we're looking, it's like, look, we go look at their net rating. It's basically zero. You go look at the best net rating in the league. It's the Utah Jazz at plus 11.8, then Golden State at plus 11.7, then the Suns at plus 6.5, right? Like those are probably, those are all in your conference. If you're going to make it to the finals, you literally have to beat two of those teams. They have to like get six points, six and a half, seven points better per hundred possessions to like be better than one of those teams, be equal to one of those teams. Really? You, you don't like, you can't guys that give you plus seven net rating. Guess what we call those guys. MVPs, right? Like it's like, that to me is the the issue. It's like, do you give up your best and only assets to be solidify yourself as the four seed? Or do you just say, we really fucked up LeBron. We're sorry. We're going to have to like move on from Russell Westbrook and like figure out a three team trade next off season and like throw those assets and maybe THT and get someone else. But it's like, they just messed up. And I think they might be stuck. Um, And the question is, what is real contention? Is real contention, we can get the four seed this year. And just because we have LeBron and AD, we think we can make a run in the playoffs. That's real contention for the Lakers. Sure, they're a THT and giving up their only future assets away from contention. It just seems like you're giving up any shot of contention any other season, essentially, to go all in on the four seed this season. And like, that's, that's the calculus I wouldn't understand from their side. A couple of things I, I, I would say to that. First of all, the net rating is a little bit depressed by the fact that they've spent, you know, up to the last 10 games that, yeah, they spent a lot of time trying to figure yeah. out how do we make this crazy roster and work? LeBron, and LeBron's been out a lot. And too. LeBron's been out. Yeah, exactly. So the net rating speaks a little less to like where they actually are than, than other teams net ratings. Um, and also I would say that, you know, going back to my previous point, they're not throwing away their chance at contending in the future because eventually Luca or Zion or Victor Wembanyama or somebody we've never even heard of yet is just going to say, I just want to be a Laker. It, it, it's Laker exceptionalism, right? They don't yeah. need to manage their team well. They don't need to think about draft picks and ooh, stuff ooh, the way that most other teams do. Calm down. They need, this is my point. They have LeBron James. You're not having peak LeBron James. LeBron James ain't winning you a championship in three seasons. Like he will just physically be too old. He can maybe do it this season. Maybe, but probably not next season. Almost certainly not. And I guess my point is that's like, it's like if you, it's basically how do you maximize this LeBron window? Because I agree long-term the Lakers will be fine. And it's like, it's not about giving up those assets for long-term team building strategy. It's giving up those assets and it's still not moving the needle to like, win with LeBron and that's more of the calculus I think they should be looking at it's like maybe we can win next season with him probably not this season and sure they can solidify being the fourth team in the west this year right like the Memphis Grizzlies have like a plus 2.1 net rating and they're like the four seed and the thing is like you know John Morant's going to come back and like activate the tank for him um (laughs) but um but Obviously, he's a good player, but they've been much better, actually, without him. 
crazy um, how the metrics kind of backed that up. And that's why I made that take earlier. Um, but anyways, but like, that's kind of the way I look at it. If they want to go all in on this season, I, I say do it. But I think they basically, they can't be real title contenders. And no matter what they do, unless they're somehow able to like trade Russell Westbrook to the Nets for Kyrie Irving. And you know, you know what I mean? Or like, that's the point is it's like, they would need to basically be able to move Russell Westbrook for a guy that was better, or I don't know, maybe this may be a good idea for them. I think the salaries match up. They should hit up the wizards and trade Russell Westbrook for Kyle Kuzma, Montrez Harrell, Contavious Caldwell Pope, <laughs> and a first round pick. Because I think those three guys would like oh, really round out that roster and the salaries match up because at the end of the day, that was the biggest issue with the Russell Westbrook trade. It's like not even the, it's it's like once you have him there, you have nothing else you can do to add players that are going to be of any consequence. And look, like look. that's why this question is tough because it's like, sure, but you can't really add anyone of consequence when your best tradable contract is for ten million. Well, you can by matching. So there, there are pretty easy paths to both Miles Turner and Jeremy Grant. They decided to throw in. Look, they just had to throw in salary matchers and they have to hope that the rebuilding team thinks that THT and an unprotected future first round pick is enough, right? I mean, if you were giving me a, a, a Lakers unprotected 2025 pick, I would be like, yes. Yes. <laughs> yes. Exactly. Uh, yes. Yeah. So uh, let me say this and maybe in conclusion on my end, at least, uh, I think you really did hit on the crux of the issue, which is should they push all in this year or push all in next year because it's a safe assumption that that's the end of LeBron's window. And realistically, I, I think it's more likely than not that this year is the end of the window. That's why I would move THT and, and a first round pick. And if I was any other team, probably I would not part with that 2025 pick, but I, I think the Lakers can, the Lakers are like a, you know, like a little kid with a, with a tough older brother. They could, they can go out there and talk shit on the playground and like that, you know, they know that their brother will come beat the shit out of anybody that has a problem with it. Yes. Yes. Yeah. I mean, I think basically what we're, we're, we're saying the same things and it's just, I don't think we exactly agree on what the outcome can be. Cause I just go, if I'm, if I'm like, you know, Detroit, sure. I take that deal. But if I'm the Lakers, I go, what the fuck does Jeremy Grant really do for this team? Like what does he, what does he really do for this team? I like Turner better. Let let me get on that a little bit because they won a championship running a twin towers line and the five couldn't even space with miles turner ad gets to go back to the four he becomes like a roaming weak side shot blocker you know free safety and they get spacing out of the position i i think that the defense could be historic with miles turner at the five the offense is gonna like like it might still be a struggle to get a top 10 out offense out of the out of the situation ad is gonna need to start hitting jump shots that's one thing that like like they're not getting anywhere if 80 can't do that but in a world where they trade for miles turner and 80s jump shot shot starts going I, I think yeah suddenly they're back in the championship conversation look i like i i think you're right that uh, turner is probably a better better move for them i just think if you're the pacers and you make that deal i think it's like there's two routes the pacers go if they trade turner in my mind a real fucking rebuild where they tear shit down. And then I don't think that's a, like a, a package you would necessarily want if you're going for a full teardown. 
um, just because you'd probably want more picks for Turner. That would be my guess. And if they don't go that round, they just kind of want to retool. I go, well, Taylor Horton Tucker doesn't really move the needle that much for this year's team. So it's like one of these things where it's like, I agree. If that if that works and you can get Turner, do it. But it's just like, do the Pacers want that deal? Because at the end of the day, what the Lakers want, they don't always get. <laughs> you know, like I know, I know it feels like that's not the case. It feels like they get what they want, but that's not always the case. They wanted Chris Paul. You're right. Yeah, the league vetoed it. <laughs> yeah, we, we we will see. Let's uh, let's wrap it up, man. I'm good. I'm Gucci. Yeah, that was a uh, that was a fun one. I thought. Yes. Um. So this concludes episode four of Above the Break. I'm Nevin Brown. I'm joined by, as always, James Piercy. Do you want to plug anything? plug anything more about your your lakers trade piece yeah i'll go ahead i mean the, the piece isn't up yet but i'm gonna go ahead and plug uh last word on sports.com and specifically last word on probasketball.com which is a blog i guess if you will that i now am writing for along with fansided so it's uh i'm excited to be on board with them i i, I like uh i think they've got some good writers like I, I i like some of the articles that i see from my new colleagues and uh yeah last word on probasketball.com go go check it out and read about the lakers trade ideas that nevin has debunked since i wrote the article uh it should be up tomorrow no, no, no i haven't debunked them it, <laughs> I, I i'm just i'm just one of these people where like i live in this world where i'm like i see all these fake trades and I just look at them. I'm like, do you guys like, do you, what? Like, I remember, you know, writing for Space City Scoop, which if you're a Rockets fan or if you're a fan of this podcast, you should sometimes check out the stuff that I write because sometimes there's some insight when I have enough time to write a decent article. All right. Stick. Um, thanks for everyone for sticking around. Remember, rate, review, subscribe. Tell us, tell people about this podcast, I guess. Um, and we'll see you next week. Peace.